You're listening to the weekly message at Mosaic Church. For more information or to talk about your own life in Christ, email info at mosaicchurchevans.org. If you'd like to support our ministry, visit our website at mosaicchurchevans.org. Thanks for listening. And now, this week's message. Thank you, Jesus. Good morning, Mosaic. Hey, it's so great to be with you all um, today and, and even yesterday. I tell you, it really is a, a huge privilege um, for, for Sherry and I to be here at Steve and Carolyn Moore's church. It's Jesus' church, but you know they're the ones that the, the Lord has put them in leadership here for the last 20 years, and, and I know that you all are just, you feel so blessed to, to have this family here to lead you, you know, and guide you in the faith. And, and I got to tell you, um, you are some of, of God's best. This church is. You really are. Because when, when God is looking out and he's surveying his churches, it's not the numbers that impress him. It's the sincere humility and the faith that oozes out of people's hearts, that kneels down to serve another broken person. That's what gets him. That's what delights him. And that's what I see alive in you all. I see it. Carolyn's not paying me to say this. I see it. It's true. And so I just, I, I thank you, I honor the spirit that I see here. Oh my gosh, the, the spirit of servanthood that Jesus has sowed through his Holy Spirit inside of your hearts. I mean, I was blessed this morning um, when, when artists came up and gave a prophetic word for me. And it just encouraged me just about dealing with revelation about how God gives it to me. And so thank you, artists. Uh, you have a beautiful spirit. And I, I'm so grateful also for Linda Cutcliffe, she was kind enough to invite us over to her house last night and serve me and, and Sherry and Sonia and others, you know, like a really nice, delicious dinner. I'm so glad we didn't go to Arby's. This was much better, you know, and healthier for us. And so it was, it was really, really great. So thank you. And um, it is just a privilege to be around people like you. It really, really is. And um, I tell you, your, God has used your pastor to, to make a difference in, in my life. I enjoyed being at, up at seminary with her at Asbury. And um, I remember there was a time, and I'm going to share this real quick before I have Christopher come up and read from Mark 10. But there was a time um, back early in my ministry when I was an associate minister that Carolyn was referencing. And I was an associate pastor over in Noonan, Georgia. And um, things went well over there, but that yet there were also some extreme challenges that I, I was facing. And, and it was just, uh, there was a season where I just felt so really low you know, if, if you arrive in those seasons, don't think that you're abnormal or that you're weird or that you're a bad Christian. These things happen to all of us, okay? They really do. And I just think that, that Satan was really, I was in a, in a 
in a flurry uh, where I was just almost like in a, in a food fight where the demons were just throwing discouragement against me from all directions. And so I was, I was wondering about my call at that point. I've been in ministry for about three years, and I remember I, I saw Carolyn. We were together, Carolyn, over at Snellville Methodist Church one day, and we had one of these, uh, one of these training meetings for probationary members um, provisional members is what they now call before we became fully ordained. And uh, so we were over there. James Mooneyhan was teaching a class, and it was just about different stuff. And um, you asked me how I was doing, and I just shared with you. And I said, you know, I said, I've been in ministry for three years now as an associate minister, and I'm just, I'm just not sure that I belong in this if I'm supposed to continue doing it. Because um, I felt like I was in an, at an inflection point um, because um, my wife's father served in the Air Force for a number of years and retired from the Air Force. And I thought, you know, God, maybe I'm called to go into chaplaincy now. Um, maybe I'm called uh, in, the, in the military. Maybe I'm called to go uh, to hospital chaplaincy. Maybe I'm called to do evangelism. I just didn't know, but I just I was questioning my call. And if God honestly could do much of anything through me, I mean, I, just, I felt really low. And um, Carolyn looked at me. You probably don't even remember this, but you looked at me and you smiled. And you said, Bill, you're a pastor. And, and I just looked in your face and it was, it was Jesus speaking through your pastor to me. You belong. You're a pastor. And there was just this assurance of God. And it didn't change the circumstance I was in, but boy, it changed me. Because <laughs> I heard the direction of God that day. And I've been in the ministry, in the pastoral ministry, ever since. So thank you for being open to God and just encouraging me that day because the Lord blessed it. He really did. Friends, today we're going to be talking about faith. <clears throat> and I'm going to try to remember what Carolyn said because I really don't have an inside voice, so I'm really trying hard to get it, to get it down. <laughs> Sherry will tell you it's almost impossible. <laughs> She's lived with me for 30 years, and I, I, I burst her eardrums a few times. But... Um, just the way I speak, but um, we're talking about faith today. That's what we're going to be reading from, from um, the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10. In fact, I invite you to turn there, Mark 10, verse 46 and following. And as you're turning there, as we think about faith, I want you to, to understand this, is that Jesus is the one, through His Holy Spirit, who has put faith in your life. And now He wants to see faith alive in your life. Okay, not just there, but alive for him. You know, we get so alive for so many things. We get alive for college football, right? When we go see the dogs go squash another opponent. Or, or we get alive when we go shopping. Or maybe when we go hunting, we bag a 10-point you know, buck. But do we, mm, do we get more alive for God? Do we live, we do yeah, on a Sunday morning, but do we live that way on Monday afternoon? And so 
faith that is alive and living. You know, without faith, you can't know the God of the universe. Without faith, you can't have a single sin erased in your life. Without faith, you can't get to heaven at the end of your life. Without faith, you'll never know the reasons why God put you on earth. Without faith, you may be happy for a moment, but you'll never live in a river of joy, which is what you're destined for. Yeah, in the Holy Spirit. So Christopher, if you will, just come over here and read from Mark 10, Mark 10, verse 46. Let's yeah. see what God reveals about faith. So yeah, this is Mark 10, uh, picking up in verse 46. Then they came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him, be quiet. But he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called to the blind man, cheer up, on your feet. He's calling you, throwing his cloak aside. He jumped up to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I, I want to see. Go, said Jesus. Your faith has healed you. Immediately, he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Um, as I get into this, I just need to tell you, when I see God do something, I, I have to announce it. I'm just seeing the, the ear of, of the Heavenly Father right now, and He wants you to know that He has heard your worship that you've given Him this morning. Thank you, Father. You know, there's so many people in your life who don't listen to you, who never have, never will. You can talk to them, but they're not listening. Your heavenly Father, right? Your heavenly Father has been listening to your heart this morning as you worship. Wow, that's a beautiful thing. Yeah, so just know that. Now, thinking about his ear is bent to your voice. He's always hearing your voice, okay? As you live and walk on the, the narrow road of life, as we all do, you're going to have voices that get in your way as you are pursuing God and the mission that God calls you to live out when you're at school or when you're at the nursing clinic or when you're out in your plumbing business servicing somebody's house. Voices are going to get in the way. There are going to be people, and you've heard the voices before, it's people who don't believe in Jesus when you're just simply sharing a little bit about your faith. It'll be people who discourage you in your own family because I know this in my own family. People who will say that you are too religious. I, 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 my sisters told me that, and it kind of hurts, you know, when you hear those kind of words. Um, and the voices that you, that you hear can be very, very loud. And they were here for this man, this blind man who was begging for food that nobody saw. He was invisible to them. And he's yelling out, 
He has a need. He's crying out for mercy. And what are they telling him to do? Shut up. Be quiet. We're too busy for you. The crowd should have been taking him by the hand. If there had been somebody from Mosaic there, he would have been picked up very gently. He would have said, y'all would have said, Jesus loves you so much. What would you like for Jesus to do for you today? Amen. Yeah, that's what you would have done. But there wasn't a Mosaic worshiper on the scene back then. And so the blind man had these voices that were trying to drown him out. And you hear the voices. We live among the voices. Sometimes it's voices of confusion that will come and make our, make our heads spin. You know, there's a lot of people that have, even have confusion about faith. A lot of people have very, very strange ideas about faith. Now, some think that it is, and this is a common one, some believe that faith is like the, um, it's kind of like the sledgehammer contest at a county fair where you take a sledgehammer, y'all have seen it before, maybe you've tried it before, um, and you take a sledgehammer and you're supposed to slam it down as hard as you can like on this metal trigger plate, and, and if you hit it hard enough, then what's going to happen is, is that ball's going to go up all the way to the top, hopefully, and it will ring the bell, right? And you have won. Well, some people believe that faith is like that. If you believe hard enough, if the size of your faith and the force of your faith is great enough, then you're going to ring the healing bell for the person that you're praying for, and any sickness and any problem will just disappear. That's how some people, sometimes it, we are the people, we can believe that these ideas just come out of nowhere, and we can believe things, and we don't even know why we believe them, but we think that they're true. And, and what happens is, is that sometimes we can spend years tormenting our ourselves because we can't get to this magical level of mind-bending faith that we think that we need to have. And so we need Jesus' voice to correct these voices of confusion that we're listening to. And what did our master, our living God say? If you have faith as small as a mustard seed... You can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Matthew 17, 20, nothing will be impossible to you. Mountain-moving faith doesn't have to be the size of a mountain. Sometimes it can be as small as the tip of a pen. See, it's not the size of your faith. It's not the size of your faith that makes a miracle. It's the size of your God. That's it right there. And fortunately, God's heart is taller than Mount Everest and it's wider than the Atlantic. Yeah, and because his heart is so massive, he hears your smallest whisper of faith. When you have so little, but you've got enough to say, Jesus, I feel crushed here. Jesus, I've had a hard time. And sometimes it doesn't even have to be faith that's coming from you if you feel like you have almost nothing to give. It might be the faith of somebody around you who's praying for you that, that makes it happen. I remember back in the 90s, I was a chaplain um, 
in a hospital. And uh, I was spending the night there at the hospital because I was on a 24-hour shift. And I was called in the middle of the night to go down to the ER. And what I found out was, was that um, there was a, a man who had been rushed to the hospital. He had been driving his truck in Kentucky. And uh, he had run off the road. He had been drinking a lot. And uh, he ran off the road and he slammed into a tree. And um, as he did, he flew through the windshield 50 feet from the truck. He was going that fast. He should have died. And, and the doctor who inspected him, as they brought him into the ER, the doctor who inspected him um, noticed that there was no movement in the lower body. Um, he couldn't move his legs, and it looked like he was going to be paralyzed for the rest of his life. And so I went in to see the man, um, you know, noticing that when I came in, you know, there was just a, a really strong smell of alcohol that was coming from his breath. And he looked like he had just gotten out of prison, honestly, and that he had lived just a rough life. And, um, and I really felt sorry for him because he was... He was lying there on the gurney, and, and he started crying because he was so afraid that he was going to die, that he would never walk again. And, and, you know, here I am. I mean, I'm still trying to wake up. I mean, it's 3 o'clock in the morning, you know. I mean, because I, I was called out of bed. I, called in, I was called down there, and then like 10 minutes later, I'm in this situation. It's like, oh, Jesus, I wasn't, they didn't train me for this in seminary. And, and um, I just... <laughs> Warren, you get it right. It's just like, I just said all I could say at this moment. Can I pray for you? I knew, I knew to say that. Okay, can I pray for you? And so I prayed, you know, for the Lord, of course, to, to heal his body and to save him. Because um, I just sensed that, you know, there, there may not have been faith there. And a couple days later, I was down um, in the hospital cafeteria there at Central Baptist Hospital in Lexington. And uh, who comes up there in the line, as, as I'm in the, in the cafeteria line, but the man's wife, and she was pushing him, and he was in a wheelchair at this point. And she looked at me, she said, did you hear what happened? And I, I said, no, I haven't. And she said, he got up out of the wheelchair today and walked. But the doctors have told him to get back in the wheelchair for a few days until his body gets stronger. Um, and, and, and the guy looked at him and he said, he said, I'm not going to need this wheelchair anymore. The man upstairs heard your prayer. Wow. He had no faith. So sometimes it's not, the, it's not the size of our faith that seals the deal. Sometimes it's somebody who is praying for us. So if you're wondering when you're praying for somebody and you're not seeing any results, does it matter? Your father's ear, remember what I saw at the very beginning, your father's ear is always listening. Don't listen to the voice of confusion that says it's not working. God is always working. He's doing something beneath the surface that you can't see. 
you know, thinking about somebody else's faith, even for Mark 2, y'all probably know the story. Your minister has probably preached on this several times. It's the story, famous story. Jesus is there. He's preaching in somebody's living room, and, and a, a group of friends can't get their buddy who is paralyzed to see Jesus. And so what do they do? They go up to the top of the house, and they just take a pickaxe and maybe some shovels, and they tear through the roof, and they start lowering them down. And there for Mark 2, it says that when Jesus saw saw their faith, he was then saved and he was then healed. Remarkable. So um, watch out for the voice of confusion. It makes you think that you've just got to have this towering faith that Carolyn or Steve or Christopher seem to have. What matters most is the measure of our God, not the measure of our faith. Because we already have the mustard seed. We already have everything that God needs to work with. Okay. Now, yes, God's going to grow you in faith in your life. Okay. You can count on him doing that. And so that when your faith gets bigger and greater, guess who's going to get the credit? Yeah, Jesus does. That's right. Now, here's what you need to understand about faith is that while Jesus makes every miracle, faith in your life takes you to the miracle. Jesus makes every miracle, but your faith takes you to the miracle that he's going to do. So the voices were trying to drown out the blind man. He wanted healing. And what did he do? Did he stop? No, he shouted louder, right? Yeah, have mercy on me. Now, this is interesting because what happens next is, is that Jesus looks at somebody and says, call him. Now, why did Jesus, when he heard blind Bartimaeus, why did Jesus not just simply say, hey, Bart, I hear you. Come on to me. Why did Jesus not do that? There you go. Because Jesus wanted to use them, and Jesus wants to use you in the miracles that he does. He can do them all by himself, but he wants to use you in it, friends. He wants to give you the delight of seeing real breakthroughs in people's life. In whatever size role that you play, whether it's that you're serving them a cup of cold water or you're bowing your knee and you're praying with them when they're going through a divorce, whatever it is, whatever small role you play, God wants to use you in that miracle. And then Jesus asked him, when he's brought there, Jesus asked him an odd question. <laughs> what do you want me to do for you? Now, when Jesus ever asked a question, it was never because he needed information. <laughs> it was always because he was trying to teach somebody something in that moment or else... Um, test their faith to expose to them whether or not they had faith and if they did if it was a weak faith um, that needed healing or whatever and the guy responds I want to see he just showed faith 
Friends, here's what faith is. Faith is the willingness to trust God even when you don't know what he's going to do. This man, when he was called to Jesus, and Jesus asked, hey, what do you want me to do for you? I want to see. This guy did not know for sure if he was going to be healed by Jesus. He wasn't a fortune teller. He could, he could, I mean, he, he could not look into the future. He did not know. That's what faith does. See, faith just comes to God and says, God, here's what I need. I believe you have the power to do it. I don't know that you're going to do it in this moment, but I know that you can. And Lord, I need. Okay, that's what real faith looks like. See, real faith puts you in a position to do what God's heart has already chosen to do. And it may be that the breakthrough is coming, but it might be three months or three years from now because God has more things to teach you and to grow you in until that point. Okay? God makes the miracle. Faith takes you to the miracle. So the faith of the blind man, here's how it worked. It encouraged him to get up and to walk to Jesus. It took him to the miracle. See? Now, um, we're, we're doing good on time. Let me say this. What happens when you're asking God for something and he doesn't do it? <laughs> Y'all, that happens to me more frequently than I see God answer a prayer in the moment at least. Okay? That, that's what happens to me. Okay? That's just reality. Um, well, what we do as believers is, is that we follow the pattern of Luke 11, 9 through 10. We, we ask, we seek, and we knock, right? We stay with that. We ask, we seek, and we knock. Because Jesus says, um, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. Ask, seek, and not. There have been many times when I've asked God for something and He did not give me what I wanted or what I thought I needed in the moment. Um, but here's the thing you need to understand. With every prayer that you have prayed, none of it has been wasted effort. Because whenever you go to God, guess what? You come away with a win. Because God deposits something in your life even when you don't recognize it, you may walk away thinking that your pockets are empty. That your heart just hasn't received the fullness of what you think God should have given to you. But listen, can Jesus lie? He can't. Never has, never will. And so Jesus says, everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. To the one who knocks, the door will be opened. So you do receive something every time you go to God. You may be asking for God to, um, to bring, uh, to give you an increase maybe in salary, just a new job position to kind of go up, up the hospital ladder. Um, you might be praying for God to heal an aunt who's struggling with cancer. And so you're praying, you're praying. And, and as you're praying for these people or praying for yourself, you know, what you get is there's always an exchange when you go into the prayer closet because you will emerge with something that God deposits in your life. It may be encouragement. It may be just peace. You don't have an answer, but you've got peace in your soul. It may be a hunger 
that grows in you to have more of Him. It may be a spiritual gift that Holy Spirit places in your life in that moment. You never walk away from Jesus empty. Okay? Everyone who asks receives. He doesn't say that you're going to receive what you're asking for, does he? But you're going to receive. And whatever he's chosen you to give in that moment is better than the thing you're asking for. Or else he wouldn't be giving it. Okay, It's always on the right side of his good. And one thing's for sure. Had this man not persevered in faith, if he, can't, if he didn't stop or if he had quit asking, seeking, and knocking, this man who was blind would have died blind. But he was not willing to listen to the voices. You all know that your pastor and, and, uh, and Steve went down to Cuba uh, last winter. I had the privilege of going with her and Steve and also Scott Hearn, another um, Methodist minister in the area of Augusta, and uh, some other pastors as well from North Georgia. Um, I had the best time being with them. I uh, was Steve and with Carolyn. It was so fun. One, one day we were... Well, Carolyn was preaching in a church. It was one evening there in Antilla, Cuba. It's kind of like a seaside church. It's not far from the coast, and you can see the coast from the top of the church where we were eating one afternoon for lunch. But um, Carolyn was given the privilege of preaching there at this church. And um, she was preaching from Luke 9, 1 through 2. Y'all may have heard that verse a time or two. Yeah, that's right. She was preaching from that. And um, she gave an invitation at the end of her sermon. And I'm closing with this. Uh, a lady came down. She looked like she was maybe 24 years old. And she started walking down, right down the middle of the aisle as Carolyn was inviting people to come forward. And when she came down, um, Carolyn recognized that she was going to need some people to come and minister to her um, because she was demon-possessed. And the spirits that were in her started manifesting. And so four of us just kind of sprung up from our seats. We were up on the front row. Um, Y'all on the front row, be careful where you sit. You never, you never know how God's going to involve you in a miracle. Jesus didn't tell me that that day when I came into the church uh, that if I sat on the front row, I'd be in, in the midst of that because I might have said, oh, I'm going to the back row then because <laughs> it's just like, okay, I'm going to let Steve take care of this one. <laughs> let, let him go deal with the demon-possessed woman. And so, but, but I got up, and as we did to try to minister to the lady, uh, she fell down on the floor, and we tried to pick her up, but, but the, the demons that were inside of her started resisting. And we got her up on her feet, and then she started swinging at us wildly, trying to cold cock us and hit us. And her body was just moving back and forth. And, and I mean, it was hard for four grown men to contain her. There was, there, was a, um, there was a strength that was inside of her that should not have been there. It wasn't normal. It was not of this world. 
it was all that we could possibly do just to keep her still. Because they were, they, the demons started literally growling through her. Roar! And she slipped out of her grasp. She fell onto the floor again. And then she started just twisting like a snake, literally. And we looked at her and her eyes changed. And all of a sudden, like you all have irises, maybe you have blue eyes or green um, or brown. All of a sudden, her eyes became black. In fact, what I thought I was looking at, honestly, I was, it was like you're looking into the eyes of a shark. Where a shark just has these, these really weird black eyes. With, it looks like the pupil is just completely in the eyeball. And that's all you see is just the blackness. And, and that's all I saw, it was the weirdest thing. I mean, her eyes had literally changed. And, and what I saw was, as I, look, as I was looking in her eyes, was that this dark, this dark presence was just emanating from her eyes. Well, then, as we were trying to cast the demons out, um, the spirits resisted even more, and the lady started vomiting. Now, that's, a, that's kind of a parlor trick of, of the devil. That's what he commonly does in deliverance sessions is that a person may do that. And the reason is is because um, they're trying to freak out the people who are there um, trying to love the person to Jesus and into freedom and, and making them think like, well, if I, maybe if they throw up, they'll go away. They'll be sickened, and then they'll just leave because they can't, they can't control it. Well, um, we were ordering the demons to leave, but they wouldn't. And here's where my faith started waning. Is that this had been going on for 10 or 15 minutes, and I thought, by the way, the whole church was worshiping at the time. They were all praising Jesus. There was praise music going on. They were all worshiping, and they were praying for us. And I needed them when this pastor only had paper-thin faith at this time because all that I knew to do wasn't working. And I'm like, oh, dear God, what's going to happen? I mean, there's 300 people here, and, and what, what do we do? Do we just pick her up and try to get her out, but we, we can't hardly control her and take her out to another outside room? You know, what do we do? We didn't know. And then all of a sudden... Um, God just gave me this supernatural tenacity. He just immediately planted it within me not to give up. Amen. And I just decided then, I don't care if this takes an hour. I don't care if everybody leaves. I'm not leaving. But I mean, literally, my, my faith went where it was just on the ropes to all of a sudden, bam. I mean, it's like when Jesus was struggling in the Garden of Gethsemane, what happened? God sent an angel from heaven to come and give him strength. And that's exactly what happened to me. I didn't see an angel, but the strength came from Almighty God. And it wasn't from me. And he just bolstered my faith. So I said, okay, I'm not giving up. She's worth fighting for. And I told the demons at that point, just looking at her, I said, listen, I said, you did not make this lady. I said, Jesus did. And Jesus is not going to let go of her. I just started proclaiming victory against these demons. And again, it wasn't me. It was just the Holy Spirit that was just doing this through me. And, and, and then all of a sudden, um, out of kindness, God started giving me names for the demons. Now, by the way, if you're ever in a deliverance session, don't ask, don't ask the person or ask the demons what their names are. Because do you think they're going to tell you the truth? 
No, they're not dumb. I mean, they're not going to tell you, hey, I'm, you know, I'm an antichrist spirit. So now you know my name, you can cast me out. No, they're not going to do that. They're going to lie to you, right? I mean, that's what they do. They tra- they, that's their trade secrets. They trade in lies. They're good at it. And so, but the Lord started giving me these names, tormenting fear. And all of a sudden, I cast it out. I just told it to go, and it left. Fear spirit. It just came. Leave. Confusion spirit. Go. And then we got the leader of the stronghold, and it was a death demon. And I said, death, Jesus is the death of you. Go. Leave her. Now that thing kept resisting, but remember I had 300 people praying. Had, had the, it was the prayers. I had a mosaic church praying at that time for me that I was in the middle of. And they were praying. And then all of a sudden, her body that was just twisting on the floor, all of a sudden it just, it just relaxed. And the demon was gone. They were all gone. (laughs) Jesus put them out. See, when the light of God started shining, the darkness of the devil had to leave. That's right. And his light was strong, friends. And so you need to understand this. You can't move mountains with mountain-moving faith, but mountain-moving faith takes you and keeps taking you and keeps taking you to the one who does. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and God's people said... Amen. Will you pray with me now? So, Almighty God, I thank you for Mosaic. And Lord, just like your flame was burning here, God, I'm going to pray for them now. I'm going to pray that, first of all, you, you fill them with faith. Because, God, this is what they have to have in the love that they show to the people they serve. Give them greater and greater faith to believe that you can do things, God, that other people don't think you can do. And that even, Lord, when they feel intimidated, that they will just keep asking and they will keep bringing people to you, God. And that their faith moves through the fear that they have to go witness to somebody out in Augusta or over in Evans. That the faith, God, just says, I don't care. The person that's in front of me matters too much to God. How can I withhold my witness? How can I not talk about the Jesus that died for me on the cross? God, fill them now with faith. Fill them to overflow. More, I pray, in their life, God. More so that it can all be an exhibition for your glory, God. Because this life matters. Help Mosaic to live it well, God. And I pray as well, God, that just like that fire was burning here, up here on the altar, that Almighty God, I pray for the fire of revival. God, we need revival in our Methodist churches. God, we need revival from the pulpit. God, we need revival in our prayer ministry and in our service ministry. And as we're taking care, God, of those who are on the spectrum, we need God to be revived so that we care more about you, Jesus, than we care about our favorite football team. So come on, God. We're asking. God, we are the dry wood. Come and set the fire on us now.
and we will give you the praise, a fire that we can't control. And it is in Christ that we pray these things. Amen and amen. All right. Thank you all. Thanks for taking the time to listen to our message. If you live in the area and are looking for a church home, we'd love to see you. Visit us or check out our website at mosaicchurchevans.org for more information. May God bless your day.